Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is hip hop? Why is it called hip hop? And what impacts does it have on our culture? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Warnasek. This summer marks the 50-year anniversary of hip-hop, a genre and a cultural movement that left and continues to leave an indelible mark on the world's music industry. Many artists you might hear on the radio have likely been influenced by hip-hop. Pharrell, Nicki Minaj, the real Slim Shady himself, Eminem. Of course, you also have some favorites from back in the day, salt and Peppa, LL Cool J, Run DMC. So who were the pioneers of hip-hop? Where and how did it originate? And what are its core elements? Well, here to answer all of these questions and more is Assistant Professor of Hip-Hop Studies and Digital Media at the Georgia Institute of Technology, Dr. Joycelyn Wilson. And Dr. Wilson joins me now. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. I've been listening to hip-hop all morning long to prepare for this. So, you know, my job is just so tough. (laughs) That's funny. First off, we were chatting before this. You said you live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. So what made you so passionate about hip hop? Because you were mentioning you listen to all sorts of genres. So I do. Um, I But I grew up, fortunately, I grew up right when hip hop was in its formative years. So I have the benefit of being able to experience it and see it. Like right when Rapper's Delight, um, when Sugar Hill Bay dropped Rapper's Delight in, in 79, so I studied hip hop because I saw that early on it was access for folks to achieve their dreams. And so when I realized that I could get a degree and then study hip hop, which has its own story and details in it, once I realized that, I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. And so that's really the, 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 the short of a long story of how I just made a set of decisions that led me to being a hip-hop scholar. Well, you're absolutely right. Just the cultural significance of hip-hop. And this year, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the great genre of hip-hop. So I do want to get into that in a little bit. But first, I guess we should just start by saying, what exactly is hip-hop? Wow, that's a great question. So, (laughs) right. right. But not so simple, right? Yeah, so I think it also depends on whether we're talking about hip-hop as the adjective that describes a culture or describes an art form, if we're talking about hip-hop as the actual noun, like what is it as an object, right? Because now, to your point, 50 years, we have the historical distance, right, to kind of look back on its impact and where it started and how it was considered just a fad and then where it is now and how it's like impacted so many different platforms and industries and products and people around the world. So I would first say that hip hop started as an art form. It was 
called the get down. It was before it even got a name, right? Grandmaster Flash was calling it the get down. This is how we got the name of the show, um, the get down produced by Nelson George that included um, Will Smith's son, Jaden Smith in it as one of the, one of the actors, because it was really focusing on this really small underground cottage industry of youth and youth influencers who were growing up in a particular social period and political period and wanted to really fortify themselves and express themselves creatively. And they did it through dance. They did it through DJing. They did it through emceeing, through storytelling and through fashion, just a whole vibe. So hip hop develops within that time and in that moment. And it grows from there. So a quick follow up on that. So when you say it was an art form and they expressed it through dance, is that then where the music came from or were they dancing? Could you have a hip hop art as an art form dancing to a different genre of music? I think so. I mean, we have that now where you see folks who might break dance or they might pop and lock, but it's not necessarily to a rap song, right? A lot of the early break dancing was done to the break beats uh, that came from James Brown, that came from um, uh, the Bongo Boys, that came from so many different soul and funk artists that provided these really unique breaks. So let me double back and just kind of give you a little bit of where that comes from. So um, one of the originators of this art form that we call turntablism or DJing, right, is DJ Cool Hurt, who came from, he and his sister, at 12 years old, they moved to New York from Jamaica. And in Jamaica, uh, they would have these big soundstage dance hall parties where people would come out, they would dance, they would um, listen to music that you probably wouldn't necessarily hear on the radio. And there were these DJs that would have these big sound stages, these big speakers, and the music would be loud and the bass would be thumping. And it was an opportunity for community to come together. Well, when they moved to New York, they brought that with them. And that party that we're celebrating at 1520 Cedric Avenue, which is considered that genesis, was a party where DJ Cool Herc used a lot of those techniques to keep the song going. So he called it the merry-go-round. He would take the, the break beat of a song, let's say the drums from um, James Brown's Funky Drummer, and what this part of the song is really like probably 10, 15 seconds. But it was the part where break dancers would break down, do their their up rocks, do their windmills, just really get into the dancing. But it would just stop. So what he did was he used two turntables and a mixer and began to loop those breaks so that it continued to extend the break. So this is how we get the title break dancing, because you're literally dancing to the break beat of a song that's been extended by the DJ. So not only is that, not only are we talking about this kinetic innovation, we're talking about this technological innovation by manipulating the turntables and the mixers to go from one to the next to continue that extension. And, and Grandmaster Flash developed it and made it even smoother so that you really couldn't even tell he was going from one song to the next. It became seamless and it just kept the party going and going and going. So those are some of the elements that were already in place. So hip hop, a lot of people think that it develops around the MC and it doesn't. It really developed around the DJ because the DJ is controlling 
the music and the pace and the crowd and watching the audience. Whereas the MC was just somebody on the mic that would get the crowd crowd hype that may engage them in some call and response. But the the culture begins really with that DJ. So correct me if I'm wrong, basically what you're saying is kind of how this all started was you were pulling different parts and different beats from other genres that already existed and you're creating this new thing and then you're having someone, a DJ, smoothly transition so that it's not, you don't have to stop. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And that's the art of sampling and remixing. Hip-hop, um, Grandmaster Cass says this a lot. He says, you know, hip-hop didn't invent anything. Hip-hop reinvented everything. It really is a culture that samples and remixes to fit in whatever agenda it has for it. And that's what kind of makes it cool. Yeah, so it started as a beat. And then when we're talking about the music aspect of it, when did the words come in? So the words were, they were, they were kind of there already because you had the DJ would probably hire, say, for instance, one of the first MCs is this guy called Barack. And he really would just say, ladies say, hey, ho, you know, so he's really just kind of engaging the crowd in this call and response, this active, in, this interactive participation. And then ultimately it, it, it came to, um, an artist by the name of the Treacherous Three and the Fantastic Four, I believe it was the Fantastic Four or the Fantastic Five. Like they were crews that would rap. They would, they would dress in, you know, their leather. I mean, you have to keep in mind, this is around the time we're edging out of disco into hip hop. And so there's also funk there. So you see a lot of that in the way in which these artists are dressing. But instead of singing, they're literally rapping on the mic and they were crews, so they would battle one another. So I would say that when we talk about the MCs coming in, that's going to be around that late 70s, early 70s, late 70s. But popularizing it when the world begins to experience it is when a lady by the name of Sylvia Robinson, she started a label called the Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill Records. She put together three guys called the Sugar Hill Gang and they put out Rapper's Delight. And that's when the world gets introduced to this new art form of lyrical storytelling that we call rapping. And that became one of the elements of, of hip hop. Lyrical storytelling. I like that. I've never heard rap be referred to in that way. OK, so then what is there a difference between rap and hip hop? Yeah. So rapping is just one of the many ways in which one express themselves who consider themselves a part of hip-hop. Hip-hop is the lifestyle, it's the vibe, it's the, the ideology, it's this pursuit of knowledge of self. I like to define hip-hop as a design remix because it remixes the design of anything that it touches, whether it's um, a way of expressing oneself, a way of dancing, a way of dressing, or just a way of being in the world. Um, rap is just one of the ways in which you express it. So you can express hip hop through MCing, rapping. You can express it through your fashion. You can express it through break dancing. You can express it through scholarship. You can express it through film and media. So those are rapping is just one of the myriad expressions or expressive practices that fall under that umbrella. And so I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked oh, that question ahead. because a lot of people will conflate the two, right? So, um, you know, when I said earlier, are we talking about hip hop as the noun or are we talking about hip hop as the adjective, right? Because we can say right. hip hop music 
right? And most of the time when people say hip-hop music, they're talking about rapping. But hip-hop music goes beyond just the rapping, right? Because we have people who are in R&B that consider themselves hip-hop. Rihanna considers herself herself hip-hop. In many ways, Beyonce considers herself hip-hop. Although they fall up under a particular genre, they are very much aligned with the culture. Okay, see, that's what I was kind of getting at with this question because I get confused sometimes, like Eminem or Drake or Jay-Z, all people who I kind of consider rappers, but they consider themselves rappers and hip-hop artists. You could be both basically mm-hmm. rapping, you're rapping on, over hip-hop music, but hip-hop is kind of the overall vibe. Hip-hop is the culture, it's the vibe, yeah. it's the community. It's that thing that has been able to bring so many people um, together who are from different backgrounds. They align themselves based on the ideals of hip-hop, not race, not class, not gender, but I like what hip-hop represents. And I'm talking about, you know, those natives elements, not so much what we get from the industry, but this idea of loving oneself and peace and unity and nonviolence and having fun, those foundational principles, that's what... Um, has brought people, that's what brings people together from different backgrounds around this this love for this culture and this art form. Whereas the rapping and um, the dancing, all of those are just ways of expressing oneself. I love that you say it's the ideals of hip hop that you point to, and you obviously outlined a few of those, but what do you think are the most important aspects of hip hop that someone needs to engage with in order to be a hip hop artist? Well, understanding that hip hop is not a violent art form. Um, we get the violence, I think, through its interaction with the industry and just this exploitation of some of these stories that are violent stories, but they're stories that sell. We live in a society where some of that stuff is just insatiable and it has nothing to do with the music or have anything to do with hip hop. It's just what we live in. So I, I like to let people know that hip hop is really founded on ideals of peace and unity and nonviolence and having fun and knowledge of self and, and finding out who you are. Um, hip hop, the first hip hop generation is a post civil rights generation. It stands on the shoulders of Dr. King and, and Andrew Young and Fannie Lou Hamer and folks who are really out there fighting the good fight. And then you have a generation that's born out of it. And a lot of folks out of that generation weren't, weren't necessarily afforded some of the benefits of the civil rights movement. So you have a community of youth and youth influencers are like, hey, look at me. I'm here. I exist too. And so this is when you begin to see a lot of the graffiti that's on the subways, a lot of these beautiful murals, but they also have messages in them because that message is going to go around the city. Right. And people are going to see it and they're going to wonder, oh, who's doing that? And so these are young folks who are like, don't forget about me. I exist. What I exist, too. And, you know, during that time, instruments and and creative programs were being pulled out of the schools. So schooling, I like to add schooling as one of those key elements of hip hop because it organizes itself around school. That's why I love your podcast title, because hip hop is really about getting schooled about things that you might not learn under, you know, these formal spaces of education. 
That's a lot of things I've learned from I've learned from hip hop that I didn't learn in school. And so I think a lot of young folks see it as a space where you can be educated. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I love that idea because music, all genres, but hip hop especially, you do learn a lot. We were kind of talking before, it connects you to certain memories, nostalgia, but also to those ideals that you want to act out you know, in, in everyday life, in society. Yeah. I am, I am curious. So um, I, I love that you're saying all of this about how hip hop is about peace and it's about, you know, your freedom of expression, things like that. From your perspective, just the way that hip hop has evolved and sometimes artists do add violence into their lyrics. Some, would you still consider that hip hop or would you consider it something else? I do. And I think that, but once it becomes super exploitive, I think that's when we're like, okay, to what degree is the community participating in some of what I like to call these low vibrational themes? You know, for example, NWA caught a lot of flack for some of the music that they put out in 88, but they caught flack because they were speaking so profanely and explicitly and directly to issues that have always impacted poor and black and brown communities, right? So a lot of times to speak to it and to talk about it, I think during that era or during the late 80s, the industry also saw that these types of narratives can sell. I also want to put in context that these are young folks, these guys and women, they're 17, 18 years old writing these stories about what's happening in these neighborhoods around the world and letting everybody else know, hey, things aren't as good for me as they might be for you. But once the industry can see that that sells, then they're going to drill down on some of those aspects and begin to exploit it. And unfortunately, that happened with hip hop and it's happened with a lot of Black music where it tends to get gobbled up by the industry and what it started out as um, no longer exists. And hip hop went through that and many of the MCs and many of the artists participated in it. I think now we're at a point at 50 years old where people are stepping back and saying, hey, to what degree have we participated in some of this? Like we can speak to it, right? But even in speaking to it, MC Hustle is dead. Even in speaking to it, Tupac Shakur is dead. Even in speaking to it, Christopher Wallace is dead. Even in speaking to it, we are still seeing young Black men get and hearing young Black men get murdered on records. So, so you have to stop for a moment and say, it's, 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 it's one thing to talk about how particular communities are experiencing society. But then it's another thing to exploit those moments and begin to make a lot of money off of it and forgetting that there are people and young folks who are actually listening to this. Trisha Rose talked about this in her book, The Hip Hop Wars, where she asked this question, when does the project terrorist become the project humanist? She plays with that line, that really fine line of addressing it, but then when you address it, 
to what degree are you glorifying it? And I think that's the struggle that particularly rap music continues to play with, right? Women now are some of the most vocal MCs. And even in that space, there's this question of, you know, how much sex is too much sex? How much um, skin is too much skin? So even in speaking to the empowerment, there are questions about that empowerment. So it's a really fine line that I think just not hip hop, but black music in general is going to continue to have to deal with because we have an industry that pushes certain narratives. And unfortunately, that's that's the case. Yeah, that is unfortunate because, I mean, you have such talent and and the industry, I mean, you can refer to the industry and the music industry and the TV industry yep. and Hollywood. I mean, once the industry gets involved, sometimes it overshadows the individual or the talent or the message that's trying to be purveyed. And it's, it's, it, it is a bummer because yeah. those things get lost and those are the important things. Those things get lost. And so what I'm excited about is, you know, I think there's a recycling, particularly of 90s hip hop and the themes that came out of 90s hip hop and artists that came out in the 90s. Um, when you talk about 50 years next year, 94, I hope that you do a podcast on just some of the um, significant albums that came out of 94. 94 is a really significant year for the music. This is the year that we get the first Outcast album. It's the year. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah. We get the first Nas album. We get uh, the first The Brat album comes out in 94. She being the first solo artist to um, hit platinum status. Um, we get so much in 94, 95, 96. And so those are going to be really great years. I think this conversation about hip hop's impact is going to continue because a lot of that is looping itself and people are being real, being a little bit more cognizant of the music and the and the themes that that have been put out and realizing that as an artist, you do have some control over saying, nah, I don't really want to rap about that anymore. Or no, nah, I don't really want to push those themes anymore. I want to do something just a little bit different. And I think we're seeing a little bit more of that happening now that we've hit 50 years. I mean, we're talking about a middle age cultural phenomenon. What happens at 50? You start reflecting on your life, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it that I did wrong? What is it that I can do better? What is it that I did good? And so I think we're seeing a lot of that with hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that you compared it to that. So it's good. Uh, well, I'll do that podcast if you promise to come on and be my guest. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Certainly, yes. Um, you know, it, it is fascinating to look back over the course. You, you mentioned those years, ninety that year 94. Um, we talk about you know, the 70s, kind of the birth of this. Will you just take me through some of the themes that you noticed over the 50 years that have been influential or have been definitely touched upon in hip hop? Yeah. So I'll start from just the beginning, because as I was saying earlier, a lot of times when we talk about hip hop and the origin of it, we forget some really key women. And we talk a lot about DJ Cool Herc, but we don't talk about his sister, Cindy Campbell, who actually promoted that party. Right. She was the first hip hop promoter. We talk about Def Jam and Rick Rubin and, um, and Russell Simmons 
and we talk about Def Jam. I mean, if we want to look at these labels as, as startups, the way we talk about tech startups, we talk about the Def Jam startup or the Tommy Boy startup, but we don't really include the Sugar Hill record startup that was created by Sylvia Robinson. You know, she is the woman that was behind taking rap music global. I think that's a really key moment as well. Um, I think that when we consider um, groups like Funky Four plus One More and the One More was a woman, this is the first group that was on Saturday Night Live. I think that's a, a key moment for how hip hop continues to hit the mainstream. Um, I think in the 80s, we get a um, one of its first golden eras. This is the year that we get folks like Eric B and Rakim. We get Run DMC, Run DMC being you know, the first duo to be on MTV and to mix rap and rock together. So I think that's really one of those key moments. I think another key moment would be Public Enemy and this um, this res- this resurgence of this African consciousness and knowledge of self and just kind of reconnecting with one's homeland that we get out of the music of a Public Enemy, but also out of groups like A Tribe Called Quest. And Queen Latifah and that whole Native Tongues Collective. And then once you start getting in the 90s, um, you know, a very key moment is when Outkast at the Source Awards won the, the award for Best New Rap Duo and they got booed, right? And Andre 3000 stepped to the mic and said, you know, there's a lot of closed-minded folks out here. It's like we have a demo and no one wants to listen, but the South got something to say. And at that moment, it activated like the speed of lightning, a a look to the South to see what's happening down in Atlanta, what's happening in Texas, what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee. Like who are these artists who have been kind of existing in this independent industry and now everybody else knows about them. So I think that was one of those key moments. I think a lot of folks forget that, you know, we celebrated Nas's Illmatic coming out because it, it, it was one of the seminal albums, one of the most classic albums. A week later is when Outkast came out. So we don't really talk about the seven days between those two albums coming out. And then two weeks later, a book called Black Noise by um, Trisha Rose came out. And this is where we get the beginning of the field of hip hop scholarship. She wrote the first book on hip hop studies and established a field that in 2024 will will celebrate 30 years as an area of academic research that's given me and so many other people um, jobs in higher education, right? So I think that's another point. And then when we get in the 2000s, and I'm skipping over some of this, but I mean, we have to talk about the impact of Lil Jon, like as a producer, like he has really changed the way in which some of the music sounds, right? Um, his ass, a lot of his music is still being um, pushed. I mean, Usher's in Vegas now on a residency. And when he performs, yeah, you know, or Lovers and Friends, people really get into it because, you know, Lil, Lil John, his impact on just the sound of the music was, was really intentional. And so we have the crunk movement. And then after that, you get trap music with T.I. and Gucci Mane. And now trap is a whole genre Right. So I think those are some of the key parts that are happening that that's led us to this moment in 2023 and celebrating 50 years. 
Yeah. I mean, listening to you talk about that moment with Outkast or Lil John and his impact on the hip hop industry and the music industry as a whole, more of an, in- like, do you see that hip hop influences culture or, or culture influences hip hop or both? Oh, it's both. I mean, hip hop has had influence on culture. I mean, it's impacted so many ways in which people engage with one another, right? It's impacted um, the music. It's had just this worldwide, you know, um, impact where it's become a voice for marginalized communities. But, you know, it's also been impacted by culture. Again, it is a art form that remixes and samples. So it's been impacted by jazz. It's been impacted, you know, by fashion. It's been impacted by so many things that existed culturally, but it just remixed it for its own value and its own purpose. So if we look at Logomania, for example, in fashion, um, before Dapper Dan started to literally take the logos of Gucci and Louis Vuitton and make um, jackets or purses that they didn't, that Gucci or LV didn't necessarily produce on their own, um, now we have Logomania as part of those fashion houses. That didn't exist before Dapper Dan took it. And of course it was black market, but you're talking about a, 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 an industry that has built itself off of remixing and reinventing things that already existed. So it's, so hip hop is always jacking for beats. It's always jacking for, for different things that may not be accessible to the community. I mean, you're talking about a community that couldn't necessarily afford Gucci or Louis Vuitton, but I like it. And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to sew and create my own jacket, right? And create a whole nother avenue for expressing, expressing oneself. And this is how we got, you know, logo mania and purses with the logos all on them and jackets and, you know, and hats. That's very much out of the, the hip hop community. So I think that it's, it's a reciprocal relationship. Is it balanced? I don't quite know, but it's definitely reciprocal. I think we could do a little better with balancing out how the culture benefits and how hip hop benefits from the culture and how the culture benefits from hip hop. Mm, yeah. And I, that's why it's continued to be so successful because it does have all of those elements and, and people listen to music for that reason. And they follow along with the artists and the way that they do express themselves. And that's what draws people in. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. I do want to ask you, because I, I remember at the beginning of this conversation, you brought up break dancing and, and why it's called break dancing. So I want, I, I find that so interesting because I didn't know that's why it's it was called that. Um, why is it called hip hop? Oh, so there are two stories that are told about how, why it's called hip hop. So Grandmaster Cass tells a story about it coming out of an army chant. Like um, when soldiers are marching, lip, 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 right, lip. So this idea of uh, to the hip hop, the hip, and being the MC saying, let me hear you say hip. When I say hip, you say hot. And Lovebug Starsky is credited as the person that really kind of grabbed it and said, we're going to call this hip hop. And it's, it just caught on. And that's typically how cultures are formed. So my background is in anthropology. And so, you know, these words and what we call them, they don't, they spring up later. 
the names of them become the names that we give them become later. But it was something that was just being repeated at these parties that just kind of caught on in the call and response. And that's how it got his name. Were you in the military? Because that was pretty good. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I had no idea. That's I mean, that is a good beat. I, yeah. I'm sure the soldiers are probably sick of hearing that. But yeah. for us yeah. who aren't in the military, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. What do you think contributed just to the widespread of hip hop? I mean, given a time where, you know, social media didn't exist back then. And mm-hmm. it really was up to them to get the word out about this genre. I think it's a couple of things. So I think that the the aesthetic of cool that hip hop has, like, you know, it's about being cool. It's about being calm and collected, but it's also about being your authentic self. It is a space that requires you to be you and not anybody else. And once that, that idea of not being authentic is picked up on, as we've seen with, say, like a Vanilla Ice, for example, you know, um, you kind of get kicked out of the culture if you're not being yourself and being who you are or trying to be something else. So, for example, when the Beastie Boys first came out, um, they were, you know, Def Jam wanted to put them in Adidas jogging suits and give them, you know, the Kangals and everything. And there's this there's this picture of them in these black Adidas jogging suits with the red stripes and they just look corny. Right. And it's just like, no, these are Jewish guys from Manhattan. Let them be who they are. And that's when they took off and they have so much respect as the Beastie Boys. Right. Same thing with Eminem. Like he he is who he is. He's not trying to be anything else. I think hip hop resonates with people around the world and different folks because it allows people to have a voice and 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 allows for people to tell their stories in these really cool and fascinating ways. But it also is a space where people can be themselves and your folks want you to be, be yourself. I think also it's a space that tries to promote justice and equity and social commentary and try to give people insight to what's going on with other people who might, who you might not even know that was the whole uh, consciousness of the song, the message that came out in 82 that Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five put out is this is what's happening to a lot of folks who are living in these urban cities who don't have access to just the basics in life. So I think that's another reason why it's an attractive culture and it's an attractive space because it gives people that opportunity. So then it also is a space that allows folks to be as creative as you want to be. Right. You can borrow from so many different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be black music. It could be rock music. It could be country music. You know, it could be classical music. It could be, um, you know, Indian or East Asian music. Like it borrows from so many different things to create something. And I think this idea of sampling and remixing is another reason why folks gravitate towards it. This is why I've come to call it a design remix because it remixes any and everything that it touches. Yeah, and I mean, uh, correct me again if I'm wrong, but uh, it sounds like, too, I mean, the origins came from Jamaica. You said they came over, and that's kind of where it originated. But we see all different races participating in Mm -hmm. hip-hop. So speaking to kind of what you're saying about the togetherness and the message of unity and speaking to what's going on at the time, it is really awesome that we do have a genre that's inclusive of everyone. Yeah, it is. And 
Um, I like I, I teach a class, you know, here on the history of hip hop and my class is really diverse. And there are students that, that are coming from different backgrounds. Many of them have, you know, their relationship with the music and their relationship, the culture with the culture might be really direct. And then there are those who might sit on the periphery of it, but they're impacted by it. I mean, we we can't turn on our television and not see some ad agency that has integrated hip hop in some shape, form or fashion. We might not notice it. Right. But, you know, progressive insurance, you know, was using some salt and pepper one time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we had the Kroger commercial using Florida. And, you know, we had the Dodge commercial using um, Ray Schmurter. So it's it's so many different ways in which we're seeing folks leverage the power of hip hop to bring people together, but to also advertise and to sell cool. So to your question about what do I think is so attractive about it? I think it's the coolness. I think it's the vibe. I think it's this idea of looking good and doing good in the world and looking good doing it, right? I think those are some of the the, the elements and things that people are attracted, attracted to. Well, there just goes all of my dreams of being a hip hop artist because I am not cool. So I guess, you're a bit you know, cool. Think, like, I said, look at your, yeah. the name of your podcast is Get School, right? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, every time you're on, then we can consider because you're cool. So maybe maybe that'll, oh, that'll be cool the new, the new <laughs> Thank standard. Thank <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's interesting though that you bring up these commercials and how different companies are working in hip hop. Are there any artists that you would point to where people might not realize, oh, that's a hip hop artist? Mm, let's see. Any artists that I would, well, I'll tell you this. A lot of times when I teach my class and say I play some Queen Latifah, there are many students who didn't know she started off as, as an MC. They're used to Queen Latifah, the actor, right? Or they're used to Queen Latifah, the talk show host. They're not, they didn't even know. Um, So I'm always surprised by how many generations don't necessarily know certain things. So many of them didn't know LL Cool J was an MC. They no, they they remember these kids. They right, they think L they they know LL from CSI. I think it's yep. CSI Miami or one of the CSIs. I can't remember which one he's on, but they know him from that. And it's just like, wow, that is really, really interesting. Um, there is a a restaurant here in the city that has on his back wall a a placard that says, Can I kick it? And then on the other placard, it says, yes, you can. So a lot of folks will see that and not understand that that's the question and answer sequence from a Tribe Called Quest song, Can I Kick It? Uh Right. So it's sometimes it's just like sprinkled in places and you don't even know there was this um, there's this food truck that I saw riding down the expressway um, a a couple of years back. And it says every day I'm rustling. It was talking about Brussels sprouts. Well, that's a remix of Rick Ross's Every Day I'm Hustling. I'm hustling. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of sprinkled in little places where it's like, okay, if you didn't know, it'll kind of go over your head. But if you do, and it's like, ah, that's kind of a remix of this or it's a remix of that. Um, there's hip hop again. Um, we would notice that. And so um, those are some of those moments that I think where we see it and we don't know that it exists unless it's pointed mm-hmm. out to us. 
I'm going to start looking out for that. Because yeah. that's good. Every day I'm wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> every day I'm going to sing that song every time I eat Brussels sprouts now. <laughs> it worked. Look at that. <laughs> um, Joyce, I just want to, and I always like to end with this question. It's sure. probably the hardest question that I ask because okay. it's obviously very broad. But if there's one thing that you wish people knew about hip hop that they might not know or something that you think is the most important thing to know about hip hop, what would that be? That what we hear on the radio is not what it was started out to be. And we have to go in order to really get hip hop in its quote unquote indigenous forms, what it was intended to to be is particularly around the music. Um, we're going to have to go to different spaces. We're not going to necessarily hear it just on mainstream radio where, you know, you got to go to Spotify or create your own playlist or uh, or Apple Music. Um I would like for people to understand that the excessive materialism, um, the violence, um, the misogyny towards women at, to the degree that it is now is not how the culture started out. And so we have to ask questions. How did it get to that? And I think at 50 years old, those are some of the questions that we should be asking. That's a wonderful message. I, I love that. Great way to end also. So I really appreciate you coming on and I would love it if you came on again. You were I would awesome. love it. Thank you. Amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to work on my coolness until then. Oh, okay. <laughs> and if you're ever in Atlanta, give me a shout. I will. hundred percent. We'll go to Smalls Jazz Club too in New York. Yes. I look forward to it and do some karaoke. <laughs> I hope you know what you just signed up for. Yes. 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 I look forward to it and I'm going to hold you to it. Awesome. I can't wait. God bless you, Joyce Lynn. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Take care of yourself. All right, if you miss anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about hip-hop. Number one, while hip-hop is a genre of music, it's also a cultural movement that really caught on in the 80s and 90s. Dr. Wilson describes it as an art form. Its origins come from Jamaica, and Dr. Wilson really credits the DJ for the creation of the sounds prominent in the music. Number two, DJ Cool Herc was an influential figure in hip-hop as he's credited with developing the concept of breakdancing. Break is a term used for long percussive periods in a song in which DJ Cool Herc encouraged dancing. And number three, Dr. Wilson says it's important to note that some of the messaging in today's hip-hop is not how it started. Hip-hop has been used to express the message of unity and peace, not violence like you might hear in some of today's lyrics. She points to the influence the industry has had on some of these artists and hopes that as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, we can also reflect on how we got here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on hip-hop. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.